It's time for the 8 Grady Sports Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team with Jerome Espinoza and Dontrell Moore. Jerome Espinoza is a Class A PGA professional and director of instruction for 8 Grady's Golf. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! Dontrell Moore is a former Lobos and NFL running back and part of the Lobos football ring of honor. Dontrell Moore and he takes it in for the touchdown. Every Saturday morning, the guys will talk golf, football, and what it takes to be an elite competitor. Now, here's Jerome Espinoza and Dontrell Moore. Welcome to the 8 Grady Sports Show. Another Saturday for us. I'm Jerome Espinosa, Director of Instruction for 8 Grady's Golf, alongside my guy, the D-Train, <laughs> Dontrell Moore. Yes, sir. Um, director of the the 8, well, you know, it's not even 8 Grady's. Dontrell Don Moore, Moore Football, Football Academy. Academy. Powered. There you go. Love that word, right? Yeah. Power. That Powered is, by 8 Grady's. Absolutely. It's just a, it's just a great collab and, and partnership and... It's rocking and rolling. Yeah, that's good. We see you out there, dude, and, you know, doing your drills and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. So every Saturday, 10 to 11, we talk, you know, golf, football, leadership, mental stuff. Today, we got quite a bit. We'll, you know, cover the gamut. Baseball, to me, is boring. I was thinking about that today. I'm like, <laughs> dude, it's like almost playoff time, and I'm like, baseball. But I'll tell you what, I love, like, live baseball. I love going to the ballpark. Like, that, to me, is really cool. But Gotcha. Man, I struggle to watch it on TV. Like you love going like to Isotopes games or like yes. the actual ballpark. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm with you. absolutely. It's super cool. And, you know, then I guess October is that's, when they crank up and I love. And that's when I can sit down and watch it and get into it and that sort of stuff. But, and I watch, I'm a Braves fan. I've been a Braves fan since 1986 and I literally watch every single game. Dude, that's good. Since 1990. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> and, you know, we're. We're similar in age, not super, super close, but yeah, I was the Braves with the, and they had those pitchers. That Tom was Glavin, my, oh, Greg Maddox. Dude, that, I could watch Smoltz. those games yep. all day long you, with those dudes. Remember that commercial that they had? Chicks dig the long ball? Yeah, remember yeah, that? yeah. Because <laughs> they were the best pitchers in the game. They're like, what do we got to do? That you know, I think it was McGuire or somebody who's getting all kinds oh, of attention. Yeah. They're like, what do we got to do? So they buffed up and they started, <laughs> <laughs> they started hitting the long ball and they're like, see, chicks dig the long ball. That's so funny. Great commercial. Yeah. All right, well, we got it's I feel like as I was, you know, working on some of this stuff this week that it was like I'm like this is a ladies golf thing again. Again. Uh, giving some more uh, lots of ladies golf going on and of course before the big Ryder Cup um in a couple weeks, but uh this week is the Solheim Cup, which is the ladies version, version mm-hmm. of the Ryder Cup. Um and you know, it's the US versus Europe and um to be honest, it's, that's kind of a weird mix because if it was like there's so many Asian lady golfers that are really, really good, but that would be a hard team to put together. And, you know, so they have just kind of copied uh, the Ryder Cup, the U.S. versus Europe. Um, and I wanted to talk about this because I found it kind of interesting. Earlier in the week, um, one of the ladies from the LPGA, American Danielle Kang, um, had her clubs lost by the airlines and it was big drama dude early in the week and you know for her and i can speak to this a little bit like those are your clubs those are your babies and dude you land and they're not there and and to be honest i it felt like they treated her like yeah they're lost and it's like do you know what i'm here for I'm like, what do you mean, eh, they're lost, we can't find them, we don't know where they're at. Like, she goes in full panic mode, 
which he should absolutely because they have practice rounds and you know it's go uh, time yeah dude like your putter and your wedges which are no. huge huge importance for you they're not there i would even say all the way down to your drive everything for them that's for, their everything absolutely and and if, if i may interject a little bit when i think about that i remember last year i went to lsu and we shipped my uh my my best friend and i play golf every year on my birthday yep and we shipped we went through ship sticks and shipped my golf clubs oh, to yeah. to lsu to play and everyone's like you're just going to rent some clubs no <laughs> <laughs> I'm not renting clubs because two, one, one, I got to beat my friend. I'm not yeah. losing on my birthday, which I beat him. And two, it's literally a feel. I, I, maybe the driver I could borrow, but my putter, my wedge, my 56, yep. my, my gap wedge, that's feel. That is absolute feel. And every, anything else feels foreign and disrespectful. Yeah. So no. now go to her. Right, and now she's at Solheim Cup, right? <laughs> the biggest we talk about rivalries, rivalries, Bragging a little bit rights. of in the world. And you want me to, you know, go get some PGA professionals clubs out of the clubhouse and and good luck? No way. I I would have been freaking out. I get it. Um, I don't know if she's found them or what. I so she did. Okay, um, great. Early on in the week, they finally found them, but it took a lot of her teammates and obviously, you know, in social media, it's a little bit different because right. you can kind of blow up. I don't know whoever it was. Delta or whoever, like, where are my clubs? My, the question that I have that, to me, I'm like, okay, you're going to the Solheim Cup. You're representing the United States of America. There's not that many players. I can't even know tell you how many players there are. There's got to be maybe 12, 16 at the most. Yep. You're not private. on a private I knew jet? It. I knew you were going <laughs> to. I'm like, what? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm super confused by that. I, and the reality is... It's a, it was probably a choice because not a money thing. They make plenty of money. They, you know, a private jet where you'd probably need two because, you know, those the seats. I, yeah. I With all your clubs and stuff. I, I don't know. They know they could rent. It. I mean, ask Drake to borrow his. Drake has, a, <laughs> Drake has a 757. You know, he's taking up airspace. But, yeah, it is interesting that they wouldn't all fly together. But here's the reality. The U.S., this is this is this is another like. For me, I think about these things when you had like adversity. Yep, yep, and yep. You, in your teams, right? When you're coaching basketball, you're when there's adversity. What do you do in adversity? Yep, right to rally around each other. We all rallied around her. We found her clubs. For all they know, the Europeans did it on purpose. They yeah. put, <laughs> that's, Let's blame it on them. Who, who would say that? Jordan. Remember Jordan would make up stuff. Oh, that's that? right. He was he so sure good at that. He would make up little edges about, and they were lies, I'll just say it, about another player on the team and then sell it to the media and that would be his motivation. So hopefully they rallied behind it and, and end up playing well. Yeah, and I, like I said, she finally got him. So early in the week, you know, she got him and I was just, there was a few questions. I'm like, okay, private jet and then you know, I'm a golf professional. Like the manufacturers, like, are you kidding? And it looked like she was Titleist. I'll throw Titleist right. under the bus, but I'm like, you guys can't overnight or one day air. Like, I, and I get it. The trucks aren't there, so I understand that. Like, the trucks go to the tour events, and right? That sort of stuff. Because if that happens on a normal um, event, um, the trucks are there. So right. she goes to the truck. And right. The truck builds her new clubs in a set of in a span of you know. 
90 minutes, Max. and they're like, here you go. Right. But it's the Sohan Cup. For me, I agree with you. They should be on standby, ready to go. You snap one on a tree. Who was that? Was that Tiger maybe broke his forearm and went off the tree or somebody? One of those tournaments, right? You can't. Is it this? Well, before the tournament, because if you break a club during the tournament, you can't replace it, no, correct? No, it depends. It depends. You can break. If you break it in the normal Swingy playing most- of golf, you know, you're against a tree and you right. hit it and it snaps, you, you can, can replace it. Got it. If you're just throwing a hissy fit and pouting then you can't and you slam it out of luck so in this i'm saying i think they should be on site prepared and ready to go for that very same concept yeah but you know i just i was like wow and that's i mean so good luck to the u.s as they play the solheim cup for sure um you know this week uh another ladies news and i i say this because it doesn't happen very often and you know i'll i'll go through and kind of paint the picture but um I'm a PGA golf professional. I've said this plenty of times. We're the working guys. We're not the touring guys who play for a living. Um, we, you know, the PGA golf professionals are ones that are running golf courses. The golf courses. Yep. They're teaching. They're yep. you know doing different. Running the first tee. There's so many different aspects of a golf professional. Um, so Kim Paez in the Southwest PGA, and I'll tell you this. Southwest is one of the toughest playing um, sections in the country. I mean, you got Southern California. We'll talk about that later. You got Florida. You got Texas. And you got Southwest. Southwest is basically Phoenix and a little bit of Nevada, the bottom um, Las Vegas, I think, is the Southwest section. So, dude, that section is... There's some really good players in the Southwest section. When I think about the Southwest section, it's people who can play golf a lot of time of year. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. You said Phoenix. You said Vegas. You said like they can yeah. play golf a, like eight months out of the year, nine months out of the year. No, absolutely. And they're some of the best players come out of that section. Absolutely. So she's only the fourth woman ever to win a section championship of all the sections. So there's 41 sections in our, you know, in our country. Okay. Um, She's only the fourth woman to ever win a section championship, which is, it's unbelievable. Now, I'll tell you this. So the section championships are our biggest events. Is it co-ed or is um, it PG? Like- no, it is. It's co- you, oh. you can, you can, a woman can play in the section championship. There's not a lot of women PGA professionals that actually compete. In it, right. Um, and they do do a different set of tees, so people, you know, don't get freaked out. Like, oh my gosh, she's got to play the back tees. No, it's a certain percentage. Right. I think they have to play it, and I could be wrong. Seventy-five percent of the yardage. So if got it. the men are playing six thousand seventy-three hundred yards, you take you know seventy-five percent of that, and yeah. then her tees are up. Right. Um. And again, I say up, but it's not easy. No, I, you, like, we, we, had this, right we talked about that last week, right? Not- yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's probably playing, if I had to guess, somewhere six, 6,200 yards, said, which six. is massive. It's pretty feisty. Um, but yeah, she wins a section championship, so that qualifies her for our national championship. And dude, that's wow. awesome. That like, is awesome. It's so cool for her to do that and i've played a couple of them against a couple of the women in florida when i go to florida yeah dude there's some really good women players like they're good like we talked about it golf is a game that does not care about estrogen versus testosterone and you can just play and you play and it's it's enjoy to it's enjoy enjoyable to watch you know when they have the new mexico open or whatever that is that the same kind of like kind of a section championship no so our section championship was at paco ridge this year okay paco Um, yeah and like the New Mexico Open is basically like a professional event where if she showed up, 
they're going to tell her get to the back tees. Gotcha. Um, but the PGA of America does a really nice job of it, okay, how can we have the ladies the compete field, correct? Yeah. Now, just with that, normally the section championship of the Southwest, again, which is in Phoenix, basically Arizona and a little bit of Nevada, they get like an exemption into the Phoenix Open or the Waste Management. She does not get that exemption because she, like, Waste Management's not going to let her tee it up right. from forward. They're right. like, no. So she kind of she doesn't get that, but she does win the section championship. Um, another one, speaking of section championships, they're all taking place right now. Ours was probably three weeks ago here in the Sun Country. Um, but a local, Lobo, Steve Saunders, who lives in Southern California, and I looked this up, but he just finished the Southern California Section Championship, which if anybody knows Southern California Section Championship, again, a great playing section. <laughs> right. As fact, Michael Block, and I don't know if you remember that in the PGA, PGA this year. Is he went... He, he like finished in the top, top 10, ten or something yes. crazy. Like, Who is this guy? Yes. Yeah. Didn't he get like an exemption into it? Like, uh, is that well? That's part of what he gets. So he wins a section champion. That's it's like level. So right. section championship. Then you go to the national. Where right. Michael Block was like second here at Twin Warriors for the national. Oh wow! So he gets an exemption into the big dog one, and it never happens. Like I'm just telling you, he's I. I don't want to speak out of turn, but he was. One of the only dudes to ever finish in the top ten in that event. Like oh, wow. he's a working dude. He's not competing. Like he's not a tour but, professional yeah, or a PG. But he went and finished in the top ten. Think Block um, did that. Michael Block. Block. Yes. And he's in that same section with Steve Saunders. Steve Saunders was leading in the third round, but Michael Block caught him and beat him. So Stevie Saunders finishes second in the Southern California section championship. Again, that'll exempt him into the national championship. Wow. What do you do? What to win top five or top ten to get? In? It depends. I think California theirs was like top ten, 10. or t- twelve. Oh, okay. it depends right. on the size of your section. So, right. As you can imagine, Southern California is massive. Massive. The other one is the Met section, which is New York. Right. They they get like twenty guys in because they have so many guys playing. Right. Um, but yeah, congrats to Steve. I always always I I always want to call him Stevie because I was coaching at La Cueva when he played there, and dude, he was. A great Lobo golfer, so I'm always looking out for all of our guys that uh, that you know, go on and do yeah, amazing they're things. all over the place. Yep, you know his dad used to own Golf Mart, so there's oh, a lot of ties okay. to um, you know the Saunders and his younger brother Sam yep. is a Lobo assistant. Got so it. Um, that's kind of the family the family, family lineage, no doubt. <laughs> going through <laughs> um, the New Mexico State women, who I love their coach Danny Bowen. Um, again, I known danny since high school golf um he's done a fantastic job at new mexico state i've said it for years i don't know how new mexico state keeps him and some other you know big school big school doesn't snag him because he is he has killed it at that school I wonder if he's turned things down you know he's it's possible because he's a new mexico guy right he went to new mexico state, state yeah um so he was an aggie and yeah, you know, maybe he just loves him. it there. We he, won't hold that against yeah, him. Yeah, we won't, especially after last <laughs> I week. I know. We'll get into um, that as well. But. <laughs> but his women finished fifth out of 15 in the Badger Invitational, and Emma Bunch, who's a golfer for him, um, finished second. So, But I thought this was crazy. She's the first ever Aggie to win Conference USA Player of the Week. Like, I'm like, how is that? 
Meaning, he's had, meaning some, good he's had some really good players. There's, yes. And I'll, I'll be honest, having been in those situations and performed, you know, <laughs> Mount West Conference Player of the Week, had it multiple times, it literally is kind of like a, mm, we won't give it to this person this week. We'll see if they do it again. I, I've oh, heard that in the dude, conversation. I'm not weak. joking. So maybe, maybe uh, was it Emma you said, Emma Bunch? Yeah, Emma um, Bunch. Um, has had the opportunity, or even over the years, uh, coaches had, you know, multiple players be deserving of it. But then they're like, mm, we'll just kind of see. And then they don't. It's 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 not as clear cut as it seems. It's, it's, okay. it's crazy. Well, I'm, I'm like, glad you give us some perspective I'm, on that. I'm, and here's an example. One week versus at Air Force, I had 198 yards and I got Mount West Conference to play of the week. The very next week, I had 212 yards, did not get it. That's weird. <laughs> so she probably shot, you know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, that's that's kind of crazy. <laughs> no, that, that gives me some perspective. Because I'm like... How does that not happen? But, you know, and who knows? Maybe people go off one week and the week you go off and it's just like a coin flip. So Correct. To speak. And if there's two to three people who are playing well on my second week of doing really well, yeah. they're going to say, well, Dontrell got it last week. Yep. Literally. Dontrell got, but I had a better week this week. Yeah. <laughs> so she probably played, Emma probably played better or multiple people, like you said, over the years, but they're like, mm, we'll give it to someone else and. Well, that's, that's good context, and, you know, thanks for that. And, absolutely. You know, we got to take a quick break. I'm Jerome Espinosa, and if you're in need of instruction or fittings, email me at gespinosa at com. Coming up next, what led to Wyndham Clark being so successful this year? What's the magic golf seeker? We'll give it away next, so thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Let's get back to the 8th Grady Sports Show with Jerome Espinoza and Dontrell Moore on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Welcome back to the 8th Grady Sports Show. I'm Jerome Espinosa sitting next to my guy Dontrell Moore. D-Train. There you go. <laughs> uh, we're here every Saturday, 10 to 11, talking sports and numerous other topics. But um, before we get to Wyndham Clark, and before I forget, because this has been... Like, of course, Twitter is just, or X, I guess, I don't even know what it is, but there was a massive argument. Um, it was Dave Portnoy, and I don't know if he hosted a tournament or something, and I don't even know if, it'll be interesting to see, to get your take on this. Um, the only reason I know about this is because it's happened to me, the same thing, and we got in a massive argument on the green. Okay. But Dave Portnoy, they had some sort of like Ryder Cup match or something right. they were hosting, and so, okay, the format is scramble format. Two-person scramble okay. format Two match scr- play. Got okay? it. Oh, yeah. Love it. So me and you versus, versus two other guys, yep. in we're scrambling yep. against them. So one of the guys gets on the green, and he putts, and he misses it okay. for the for a birdie par. for four. So he misses the birdie putt, yes. Okay. And it's literally four inches away from the hole. Te- so he Technically walk, gimme. So he walks up. Taps it in. Misses it. Nope. Okay. Taps it in. Okay. His partner still has to putt for, for a four, for, but the competitor says, sorry, you hold out. That's a five because he tapped in the five. Okay. Just erupts in a huge argument. They're yelling at each other. Tell me your take. What What are you? What are, what's your take? Can't wait to talk about this. Golf is a game of integrity. Golf is a game of understanding, <laughs> right? For me in that situation, it's an understood par. Let's say I go in and tap it in for par. It's an understood par. I don't have to mark it. That's just my personal opinion. I think that's, I personally think that you should still have your birdie putt 
And if you make the birdie putt, we don't have a four. We have a four. That's my personal opinion. Those scrambles are, and maybe you disagree. Maybe the rules of golf are say different in those scrambles. But in, I've played in multiple scrambles. There's an understood par. I get it. We have an understood par. The reality is, I still have a birdie putt, and we're going to make the birdie putt for for birdie. So for me, I don't know who did what, but for me. I would not have been up in shambles, and I definitely wouldn't have been the person saying, you guys are in for par, negate your birdie putt. Dude, that's and just- that, to me, that's I'm glad you said that because I've, many years ago, uh, we're same exact scenario. I missed a birdie putt. I'm pissed. I tap it in. It's an inch away, an inch away. And our competitors go, oh, Gary, you guys just made five. And I'm oh, like, you've experienced this nonsense. Dude, it was and I was pissed. I was so mad. Oh, man. I'm losing it. We're arguing on the green. And I'm just going to tell you this. If you're in, obviously, a four-person scramble, way different. Right. A two-person scramble, and there's no official like rules rules, but you have to mark it if you're in a two-person scramble, which sounds stupid. You have to mark it like in a professional two-man scramble or the that rules of golf? That doesn't really happen, but in these kind of scramble events, well, if you're going by the technical rules like in the Ryder cup when they play whatever they're playing gotta mark it you have to mark it gotta mark it so if 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 tiger putts it and jordan still has a putt a birdie putt and tiger taps it in yep five it's dumb so here's what i'll say it's dumb because we're not professionals we're not on the it's not the Ryder cup it's an understood part the reality is you shouldn't even have you're going to give me that putt anyway yeah if it's three or four inches it's an understood gimme i'm telling you it was massive and it's funny to watch but Okay, I'm with you. Normal humans. Yes. I'm like, Dontrell, pick it up. I don't care if you tap it in. But in competitive, people get competitive and it's nuts. It's it's a par. And uh, <laughs> like I said, it was it was nuts. But that's if you ever everybody that's out there, if you're ever in a two person competitive scramble, sound dumb, you have to mark it. Have to mark it. Because you're gonna run into one of these, as I like to say, these jack monkeys that's gonna <laughs> call it on you. And then it's going to ensue a massive argument. Here's what I say. You def, you have to mark it, but just have an understanding with the other two and make sure we know we don't have to so there's not a may, a fight on the green. You know what I mean? Like, or what I that. would even say, too, like if I'm going to be competitive, say I'm competing against you and your partner, yeah. I'm going to say, Dontrell, mark that. I'll tell you before you go don't do tap it. it. Exactly. In. Exactly. And if you're like, why? I'm going to say, dude, I'm just telling you, mark it. That's the rules. But here's the thing I, that, that's frustrating about that to me is it's a gimme anyway. Yep. No, I'm with you. Like, meaning, let's say I mark it. Hear, hear me out. If I mark it, let's say you're the competitor, and I tell you, Jerome, mark that, and then my guy misses the putt, am I going to make you putt that four-inch putt? <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you to pick it up. Pick it up. So yeah, why do, do you see what I'm saying? No, so I'm why not, do I have to make you mark it before he puts the birdie putt? I agree. Asinine. I agree, and it's been a huge thing, kind of funny to watch, but... Yeah, that that's that's I've experienced it, so I know exactly what that guy was talking about. No doubt, when he was super mad. So Wyndham Clark, who's had a fantastic year of golf this year, um, he actually posted something, and you know he did something with Golf Digest. And again, I was listening to something about a quarterback talking about the same kind of thing that was Justin Fields is yes. the Chicago, Chicago quarterback mm-hmm, from Ohio. So State. Wyndham Clark said he's. Technically, he's a professional. He's, I mean, he technically he does everything perfect, right? right? Like, really, really good. Yeah. And he couldn't win. And then this year, he had a fantastic year. And his whole key said, I started playing golf and not playing swing. Oh, baby. And I'm like, 
Bingo. Oh, baby. As an instructor, I'm telling you, people get frustrated with me with what we do because there's a lot of times that I will say, you are a human. You just messed up. Right. Well, did I lift my head? Did I do this? (laughs) Did I come inside out? Did I? Stop it. You just missed your target. That's it. You you hit a shot and you missed. The pros are perfect, right? Quote, unquote. They practice every day. They miss their targets. Now they're trying to move it left or right or, you know, hold it off in the wind or whatever. I always hear that. Listen, I'm trying to hit. Where are you aiming down, Troll? At the flag. <laughs> the green. The green. Just you see that right the there? Green. I'm aiming for the flag. It's that simple. It's hilarious. But And that's, uh, to me, it. It's to me, it's all sports that this takes place in. I will say this because as I coached basketball longer than I've coached golf, and there were certain kids that you're like, dude, leave that kid open. His shot looks horrible. And what do you think would happen? Wop. He would make six threes in a row, and you're losing your mind, and your kids are looking at you like, well, you told me to leave them open, so I did. Um, you know, and it, as I was listening and thinking about this, they're saying the same thing about Justin Fields. They're like, whoever's coaching him has just put so many thoughts in his head. Trey Lance, the same thing. Dude can't even hit and a wide-open receiver. Out. And if you watched him play at Ohio State, he was highly accurate. Mm. And here's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not sure whether it's a race thing or not, not my personal opinion, but it seems as though a lot of what the running black athletic quarterbacks, they do that with their technique. Got it's the weirdest thing that I've noticed over the years that they go and try to critique those things and they become less of a player. Like, just let Michael Vick be Michael Vick. <laughs> yeah. Let, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. 100%. Maybe he needed a, a more mentor outside of the a field, but on the field, let Michael Vick be Michael Vick. And you'll get your best player, your best players. But like you said, what I, I, I'm playing golf, not my swing, right? Like, I, I just love that. I, I love that. You let the players play. You go do what you. Here's what I call that. You perfect your imperfections. Yep. You perfect your imperfections, and you'll be good at what you're doing. Well, and a lot of, and this is, you know, it's probably. Jim Ferrick. It's probably a lot of stuff in golf that a lot of people do. And actually, other people do it in sports, too. But it's not as, they don't look at it as much is those golfers that have a weakness will yeah. stay away from their weakness. They're really good. If people can't chip, oh yeah, then make sure I'm not chipping. They'll stay away from chipping. <laughs> then I putt. They'll or putt I, it. Or I take a seven or they iron. hit yeah. a ton of greens because yeah. they know if oh, I yeah. miss Very well. a freaking green, I can't chip. Well, I even think about the goat. The goat could not necessarily hit that right to left draw off the tee if he needed to. <laughs> yeah. It was so, a snap hook. It was a snap hook. And I'm, we're talking about Tiger. So what I needed to do was either take a three wood or take an iron, two iron at the British Open that year. Remember that? Yep. And just beat everybody with the two iron or play my baby cut. Yeah. And no. get distance from my cut. I Even the GOAT stayed away from necessarily what would be his quote unquote weakness. And he won a lot of golf. Well, and I, I even, the, and because I'm a Broncos fan, but I always remember, yeah, exactly, especially now. Goodness <laughs> gracious. But John Elway, yeah. right? They said John Elway obviously could throw the pill because just rip it. Mm-hmm. He was a good but baseball. they would he was his best when they rolled him out. So they would roll him out and roll him out and roll him out. Because he wasn't roll thinking. He was playing football. I used to hate <laughs> when John Elway would get on the roll because I was like, here comes a 70 yard dart, a backside. <laughs> and he was money with it. Money well, with it. What I've termed it at, you know, kind of our our golf academy is I've turned termed it a casino brain. And I will tell oh, my yeah. players you got the casino brain working right now. We got to turn that thing off. And what do I mean by that? If you've ever walked into a casino in Vegas 
and the bells are ringing and the wheels are turning and it's like and it's going nuts sensory overload i'm like dude holy cow let me like get my bearings in here what is happening and then me i just get out of it because i'm like this is nuts i don't like it but people do that in golf they stand over the ball and i can see it i'm like their brain has three wheels spinning going crazy going nuts doing a million things they have no chance at hitting this target agreed you see the guy you ever you know go play with him you know just on your local muni course and he stands over every shot for 17 and a half minutes. You're like, dude, I'm like, Are makes you, you nervous. It makes me, I'm like, what is going through his head right now? I'd love to be just for a second in there. Because I get up there with people like, oh, I'm sorry, I was talking to your backswing. I thought you were warming up. I get up there and put it on the tee, and I, I'm I'm still standing up, basically, from putting my <laughs> ball down. Sweet. I'm already hitting. I just, because I just let whatever I do, my body, my muscle memory, I just get up there. I play my best golf when I'm not even really I focus. There's a difference. But yep. when I'm not overthinking it, I'm not down there long. I pick my club. The, the most thought is, is this a 7-iron or a 6-iron? Okay, once I pick my club, I'm gone. Yeah. And so it's it's the same concept. You don't well, need dude, to sense- that, I'll tell you where that helps you um, is you're committed to what you're doing. There you go. Like you have, whether it's a 6 or a 7, right? That's a great, a great um, comparison there is the second you commit to that 7-iron, you're going. It's if it's short, go. if it's not enough, it's not enough. But yep. I'm full go. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, oh, is it a seven? Well, I, I think it should have been a six, but I chose a seven. Guess what? I'm hitting a seven the best I can. If I'm short, I'm short, but I'm hitting a good seven iron. Yeah. And I never grab a seven and go, as I'm swinging, this should be a six. Nope. I've committed to the seven iron, and I'm going to hit it 171 yards. And if I needed 181, because I should have went six, I'd live to fight another day. But I'm not going to hit a bad seven iron thinking I should have chosen the six. And I'll tell you this. It happens all the time in you see, and, and I don't know, you know, there's a lot of guys that you'll see golf on TV, right? And they'll say, wow, let's reevaluate that swing and see what Dontrell did on that swing because he hit it to the left and what's happening. And I'm like, you're going to break down his swing like millimeter by millimeter, but you don't know what's going on in his brain. Right. Like what has happened in his brain for him to hit that shot? Absolutely. Because it's not always physical. It's like, not always technical. Oh, there's a technical thing wrong and Don. Dontrell delivers the club like that every single time. Maybe he had some doubt. Maybe there was water right, and, he, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to miss left. I'm missing left. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of that stuff takes place, and it's, and that just baffles me how people think, and, and, and I get it. It's been an instruction forever, golf right. instruction, I'm talking. Just continual, I have to just go on the range and get this motion. I'm like, no, nah, man, that's not it. Like, you got to go play. And everyone is different, I guess, but the foundation to me is if we have a foundation. What is my foundation for me, right? Yep. Where are my feet? Where are my eyes? Yep. Where's my weight? And then after that, because you have to have a foundation. We're not saying go willy-nilly. Yeah. There is a foundation. But if I miss a ball left or I don't hit it flush, it doesn't have to be some technical error. I just could have made a mistake. Yep. Absolutely. And that's, and you know, again, it's just how many times in, I would even say in football for you, did you just make the wrong read? I made the wrong cut. You didn't go back and freaking go to the huddle and get depressed oh, and bad. sad and I was my oh, tech- this or that. <laughs> They're like, all right, next play. Touchdown. What are we doing? Touchdown. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it is. It's massively that. And um, you know, I I hope that helps some people out there, you know, as we um kind of go into our next segment. But yeah, I mean that's I'm hoping golf wise that helps is and, and my phrase that I've started using with my 
students and they're, they're hilarious. They picked up on it. They're like, I know my casino brain. <laughs> I'm like, turn that thing off and play some golf. Don't play swing. Enjoy it. Because golf is such a beautiful game. Golf is such a beautiful game. You just go enjoy it. And like I said, you just hit the purity of the ball. You hope that it does what you what you want it to do. And if it doesn't, you 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 erase it. And you, you come back like a cornerback and, and you get ready to rock and roll. So great stuff. Uh, when we return on the other side, the state of Lobo football after the Aggie loss. Mm-mm-mm. And two goats team up and build something amazing. What, you ask? Find out next on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Let's get back to the 8th Grady Sports Show with Jerome Espinoza and Dontrell Moore on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with Jerome Espinosa, PGA professional and director of 8th Grady's golf program i am don tremor director of don tremor football academy powered by eight gradies and you are listening to the eight gradies sports show well jerome um <laughs> this here we go start of this segment <laughs> is going to be difficult for me so bear with me um the state of lobo football um after the aggie loss um it's tough to kind of navigate what happened yeah. last weekend um there were there were there was a great crowd. Yeah, there really twenty seven thousand. I think is what the re- reported number was. Um, two good football teams. Um, I, I'll tee it up for you. Um, you know, I don't know if you got to watch the game or what you've heard over the last couple of days. But what are your you know quick thoughts about just kind of the way the game turned out for you? Yeah, I mean, as a I'm a Lobo too. Obviously, not as not as nearly as involved as you and <laughs> right. Hartfield, but it is you know, and it's just I, I feel bad for Lobo football to be honest. It's just I don't know. It's the way that the Lobo or that football in general has gone across the country. Yeah, I just feel like they're so far behind. It's 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 unbelievable. I mean, you look at the stadium. You look at you know, and I I get it. Erlacher's done some phenomenal job things for them, right. like. But I just I don't know I just think they're just so far behind from a resource standpoint. Yes, yes. from resources, from yep. facilities, from just everything yeah. that I'm just like, dude. I, I mean, and and I'll say this as a native New Mexican, yeah, grown up, you know, cheering for the Lobos. It's just such a bandwagon um, crowd following, following mm-hmm. yep. that when it's great, it's great. They love you. They think you're the greatest thing ever. And when it's terrible, they're all over you. And that's that's every Lobo sport. Um, I, and I, so for me that it's, I'm just, I struggle cause I'm like, dude, they're just so far behind the eight ball. I think. Well said. I, I think that segues me into the crowd and the expectations and the attendance. And it's like, it was a game and an opportunity for the Lobos to, uh, win some hearts over again, yep. you know, um, with the finickiness, I guess for lack of a better word, um, being a Lobo, obviously broadcasting, watching the game, I, I I was hoping that they would play better. They had played really well against Tennessee Tech, 56 points. They played yep. really well against AM, as we know. And there was some optimist optimism, um, not only in the in the locker room, but yeah. in the state. There was some yep. really good optimism about the offense and they were up and down. And um you know, Dylan Hopkins wasn't himself. He he was he was throwing some, you know, errant passes. He was really he was really um 
accurate the first couple of yep. weeks and put balls where they were supposed to his deep balls. He was throwing well, the outside ball, the comeback routes. He was doing really well and maybe pressing a little bit against the Aggies because yeah. that rivalry, rivalry, which we'll talk about a little bit later and what it does for the psychology of sports, um, maybe got to him a little bit. So it was, you know, Corey Merritt, who had had 160 yards the week before, had almost 100 yards against AM. Had 80 yards against New Mexico State, and Jeez. and is as a running team where you have to set up the run, you know, yep. you run to set up the pass, has to be better. And Coach Gonzalez said that as much. So it was it was really really tough uh, for me to kind of see that, to yep. kind of navigate that, um, you know, with the crowd when there's a lot of players and a lot of people there. I'm sorry, and then they don't win. I, I bet you. There'll be less than half of that at the next home game. And yeah, I dude. think that's what bothers me a little bit. Um, and I'm not sure what you just mentioned it. I'd like your thoughts. Why do you think, and maybe there is no answer to this, that there is such a kind of up and down following behind New Mexico sports um, based on winning and losing? Because I remember when I was playing for Motu 05, we had 40 people in this, 40,000 people in the stands every week. Yeah. I, and obviously I mean, we were winning, but we lost some too, you know? So I just wonder what, where the Finnegan's came from, even with basketball, who was always putting <laughs> 15, 16, 17,000 people there are, aren't, aren't doing that. What do you, what do you think that is? What do you, yeah, what do you I mean, I don't know. I just, I, to be honest, I think it's just the attitude of New Mexico and the state in general, to be honest. Um, I see it, you know, I'm a basketball guy. You right. see it in Northern New Mexico basketball, you know, when they're going, Espanola Valley can oh. have five thousand people in that gym. Think about and that. And when they're terrible, there's ten. And um, and it's just it's it's just I, I don't know. I think it's a state mentality where people just you know they love the winner, but then when they lose, they'll jump off that bandwagon so quick, which is unfortunate. It is those young kids, and you there were one you, of them. I was like you're supporting those dudes, absolutely. You know, and they love it, and whether or not I'm, I'm sure they're giving their heart, and they're you know, and I always think too that effort if the effort is really really high that's your favorite and you're not very good they're still going to support you and be like you know what Dontrell runs freaking hard every, every single time every time and i'm torn because i don't know if i completely agree i feel like i i i, I live by that creed i agree with your creed i just don't know if the 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 the, the, the fans would come and support that like I would hope that they would. I, w I would hope. I hope that you're right. Yep. In my heart, in my core, in my gut, I say, if they're 0-10, but everybody gives their heart and play hard every single week, the fans will come. I don't know if that's the case. I know it's the case in Texas. Well, dude, here's my here's a perfect thing that I'll always say. Rocky was winning nine games a year. Yeah. We won six, seven, eight, nine in my four years. Six. He was first, winning a yeah, ton of games. Absolutely. Would Lobo fans take back winning nine games because they get to nine and they're like we should be winning mountain west conference, conference championship yeah they should be winning 11 like right. that bar is always Set. which again should i get be. it should be we said it high. Yeah. but like where's that at like now now you're complaining yeah. about it and it's not happening well and again the, the bar is the fans move the bar to win from nine to ten to right. eleven and a bowl and a then, championship yeah then put in some resources right how we can do that and you need hard. more kids you need a you need money, bread. but you need money. You yeah. need money. Any more for me, I tell about, I talk about people. Recruiting is not necessarily what the coach can do for you, or it is getting athletes, but you're not going to get the athlete now in this college football nope. landscape if there's not resources. Not even Perfect close. example, I tell people, there was a kid, the number one receiver, or the quarterback from California, $10 million NIL deal to Florida. Showed up, and the money wasn't there because it was false promises, right? Yep. And he left. And we talked a little bit about that, but again, 
if if there's no allocation of resources, right? If there's no people winning, if you don't have a Boone Pickens, you know who Boone Pickens yep, is? Yep. A billionaire, trajillionaire <laughs> that gives Oklahoma State a million dollars a day, you know, yep. unlimited resources, right? Notre Dame's of the world. If you don't have those people, those four or five people who are willing to put money into the program, in today's college football, it's hard. They're not. You, you can't compete. No, you, you can't. And that's sad to me because to me, that's not what college football is. I do believe that college football should be where um, athletes should not have to eat ramen noodles every night. Agreed. But they should not be billionaires and millionaires yep. and, 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 you know, billionaires. They should not be millionaires and, and transferring schools based on how much you get paid. Yeah. I think that takes away from college football and and um, and and it's sad. It really, really is. I know we, we talked a lot about it and I want to get into this really, really quick before the break is, did you see what Tiger Woods and, and uh, Justin Timberlake did? Yeah, no, it's great. That That's- is just awesome. A 22 thousand square foot new york city bar just full of everything and i love when two ghosts get together jt's a pretty good golfer in his own right and um i'm just excited about it i'm, I'm gonna at some point that's a bucket list for me to get over there and get into that bar i don't drink but i want to get in there they have uh, uh, uh golf simulators they have bowling they have darts and you know over 40 tvs it's it's it's, it's a state-of-the-art facility i'm, I'm excited to 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 get those two together and see what 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 are your thoughts quickly on that? Yeah, no, I think it's great, and you know, Tiger's getting more into these ventures as you see as his career is starting to wind down. But he also is involved. I don't know if you know this pop stroke. It's called yes, in Arizona, like I think putting, one. yeah, putting type things. Yep. Um, so no, I think it's great, and it you know gives again it it's a it's a, a metroplex, so it's a little bit easier, right? But yeah, no, I think it's great. No, I do. I think it's awesome. Um, and and and. Got to get out there, and when I get out there, I'll definitely post and let people know I'm out there. Hopefully, Tiger and Justin are there. Yeah. <laughs> when we return from the break, prime time's impact on college football, rivalry's impact on sports, and the psychology of it all on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Let's get back to the 8th Grady Sports Show with Jerome Espinoza and Dontrell Moore on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Hello, hello, hello. Once again, welcome back to the 8 Grady Sports Show. I'm here with Jerome Espinosa, PGA professional and director of 8 Grady's Golf Program. I am Dontrell Moore, director of Dontrell Moore Football Academy, powered by 8 Grady's. Come join Dontrell Moore Football Academy, an all-encompassing academy where we focus on skill development, position-specific performance, and mental conditioning with a fun, competitive atmosphere. You interested? Go to 8gradys.com or email me at dmore at 8gradys.com or IG me at dmore22fba underscore 8g. Before the break, we talked about a goat, <laughs> Tiger. We talked about another music goat, JT, in their collaboration, uh, performing greatness. We know Tiger's impact on golf. We know JT's impact on music. Let's talk about prime time. I love him. I know That's you do. My dude. His impact. Oh. His impact on college football. I, I, you know, I don't know if you know who Paul Feinbaum is. He's this, yep. he's the guy who basically just, he's been around college football for 50 years. And he said that he's been covering football for over 40 years. And Dion is a phenomenon unlike any other. Yep. Think about that. He's been, Bear Bryant, I mean, he's been around the Knicks, he's been around it all. And he said, Dion's impact on college football is second to none. What are your thoughts on that? Dude, I think, I mean, he's ridiculous what he's done. And I, again, I love what he stands for. And, you know, I saw, and, and me, I was kind of, I'm, I'm on, I'm team Boulder, TCU right, right. right now, but 
when that kid got hurt because I thought it was a cheap shot. It was. I saw something that Dion said that was amazing. Is he said, "Look, he said we forgive him. He's playing hard. Travis Hunter forgives him. You know, it's not a big deal. Quit doing death threats." I'm like, dude, yeah. holy cow! Like, how big your perspective? Is ridiculous right is. now because you could have gone all in and, and thrown this down. dude under the yeah. bus, and he he goes the complete opposite. I think that's why I become a fan more and more every day. He's a class act. Make no mistake about it. The the, the guy that Jerome was talking about, if you guys aren't aware, uh, Henry Blackman. Henry Blackman is the uh, Colorado State safety who did the and it wasn't illegal hit. It wasn't unnecessary legal hit on Travis Hunter, which is the two way player for Colorado who was in you know in the Heisman talk and he went to the hospital and hopefully you know we pray for a speedy recovery for him. And they're sending death threats and in a classy way, Dion simply says. There's no room for that. We condemn yep. death threats for a young man who's playing football. He's at yep. the end of the day, we're playing football. Now, is there a lot into it when you have Little Wayne leading you out against, <laughs> you know, um, uh, the uh, Colorado State, and you had, you know, the Rock is on the sideline? Like what? Like they become it, L.A. They become. L- the Lakers, they've become <laughs> L.A., meaning everything is a spectacle. I remember, I don't know if you watched the, the Showtime show or whatever, where people used to say the stars used to go see Magic and yep. Kareem. The stars, yep. like Michael Jackson would come to go see the stars. Like, they were the biggest show. That is what Dion has become. When Nick Saban, Nick Saban said, I have tremendous respect for Dion. I, the, the the goats of the game. Um, Dan Orlowski, who's now uh, an analyzer analyst, on, uh, he says that Dion Sanders is like the Fab Five. You guys oh, remember the Fab uh, yep. Five, how they, they took the world by, you know, it was uh, Chris Webber, Jawan Howard, Jalen Rose, Chris Jackson, and Ray King. I still remember all five yep. of their names. And I, because I, I remember I was a little kid. He's the, he's he's that kind of phenomenon for college football. Yep. And absolutely. His impact, his, and we're talking about it. Yes, we're talking about it every week because we'd be remiss not to because he wins, he gets it done. Um, you know, they won at TCU, which we all know they beat Nebraska, the double overtime. And this is what I like about the double overtime win. They, they're not going to get it. May every win may not be pretty. Nope. It may not be the best. And he has grind. He has grit. I love his interview afterwards. I don't know if you saw. They said, "Dion, what are your thoughts now?" He's like, "Patience." Yeah, patience. And we live in a world that's what not patient right now. A right now world. And you know they play Oregon today, so we'll see what happens. Right? Um, Oregon's a great football team. So if they lose, what happens? Does everybody jump off the bandwagon? <laughs> Does everybody say, "Oh, throw them, throw in the towel, throw in the towel, get rid of them. They're done. Get rid of them." You know, what are your thoughts on... Regardless, kind of, they've won three games this year they already. Won, I don't even know what they've won over the last, whatever, however many years. So they've CU won three has been ga- terrible. They've won three games in five years or something like that. I, I don't and know he's that's already won three. Like, I, I mean, I don't know, but I'd, I'm i a huge, huge Dion guy. I'm all about it and what he's done and, like, how he's taken this, this whole program. And, I, you know, I think he's changed. I saw something, and I don't know if you saw this. It was great is recruits are starting to call, right? Like, yes. Hey, we want to go to see you. And he he said, recruits aren't interviewing us. He said, we're interviewing them. Nice. And I'm like, ooh. Think about how powerful that is. So ooh. I'm not just taking everybody. Nope. You may be a stud from California, but if you're not a good dude, if you're not holding up doors, remember he said, I'm creating men. Yep. I'm creating daddies. I'm creating brothers. I'm creating husbands. And also football players, right? So just an absolute uh, amazing person. And real quick before we get out of here, um, just rivalries, you know, uh, 
I wanted to talk a little bit about it last week, but I think rivalries in general are just so great for sports. Yes. You saw the CSU game. You saw, you know, I think about Tiger and Phil and Arnie and Jack and Ollie and Frazier, Michigan, Duke, Ohio North State, Carolina, which is the number one because I'm, <laughs> I'm a Carolina fan. Lakers, Celtics, Red Sox. You could go down the line. My personal opinion is that the respect of the rivalry. We saw the New Mexico State game last week. The respect of the rivalry and the powerfulness of rivalries is what makes college sports the best thing in the world to me. What are your thoughts before we get out no, of here? No, I think it is. The rivalries are great. As long as they stay sane and not crazy, you see people get so crazy about yes. it. But it's, I think it's really cool, the rivalries, and it brings just such a huge, huge thing and you know the rivalry's got to be competitive, or it's not a rivalry. Not, you got to win. Both players <laughs> so, got to win. You got to have good players, right? You got to make it happen. For us as fans, it's important, you know, that our team always wins. No but doubt. For a good rivalry, right. I think it's got to be back and forth and important and all that sort yeah, of. stuff. Yeah, and we'll get into a little bit of this next week, the psychology of sports, and and I think that's very important to understand how you think your way through things, how you navigate yep. these things that are rivalries, and I think the best athletes and best teams are have a great psychology and understanding of sports. So we appreciate you, and that will do it for this week, folks. I am Dontrell Moore, uh, director of Dontrell Moore Football Academy, powered by 8 Gradies and a proud Lobo legend. He is Jerome Espinosa, PGA professional and director of 8 Grady's Golf Program. Thank you so very much for listening. Again, there will be a link to today's show at 8gradies.com. So tune in next week where we talk golf, football, and everything in between. Every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Thank you for listening to the 8 Grady Sports Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team with Jerome Espinoza and Dontrell Moore. Come back every Saturday from 10 to 11 for all of the latest news and analysis from the world of golf, football, and much more.